We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn Building. Hey guys, welcome to our first show of We and You. I am one of your hosts, Terrence Sullivan. And I'm the other host, Brittany Cook. And like I said, this is our first show, so thank you for listening in. And today, we just really want to talk about what this show is and what it's not. Um, so Terrence, what is it? It's a show to talk about, well, the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and what we do, but also to talk about some of the things going on across the state in relation to civil and human rights. And how did you get involved with that? Why is this something you care about? Uh, civil rights in general and discrimination is something I personally care about because I've faced it multiple times in my life. And so I have always wanted to do something that was able to help other people that were in that same situation. Um, even a couple weeks ago, I wanted to buy some mulch to do some work at my house. And there were three people in the store. All of them but me were white. And I was in the store from working out in the yard, so I had on gardening clothes. And although I was first in the store and in the front of the line, they completely ignored me and went to the people behind me in line to ask what they needed. So mm -hmm. um, things like that have happened throughout my life. There have been times where we couldn't find a place to live because people in my town didn't want to rent to black people. So it's really been something that's important to me throughout my life, and so I've always wanted to do something around this area so I can help others that are in the same situation. What about you? Absolutely. Um, I kind of joined in on the queer revolution, as I want to call it, and to make sure... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Let's, let's bring them out, um, out of that closet, right? Out into the streets and, and make sure that I'm helping give voice to a population that is often not heard of and very often discriminated against as well. So that's kind of where my passion came from, also personal experiences within that. A lot of them, um, among the, the medical and health insurance side too, so I've done some paneling for that um, and paneling with UofL to help with education and to try to make sure that people are understanding how they can be more inclusive. You are listening to We and You here on Forward Radio 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org. Radio, and we rely on your contributions to stay on air. Please go to forwardradio.org, click participate to get behind these microphones, and click donate if you like what you're hearing and want to help sustain it. Consider sponsoring an entire day's broadcast with a gift of just $20 to Forward Radio. So, with that, do you think that being here at the commission, do you think those are areas that you can help address? That's my goal among many. Um, as we've talked about before, you know, the commission has a lot of reach across this state and we want to make sure that we're getting that word out and that people understand how they can be helped. So in line with that, I would like to discuss that here today. How can someone be helped by the commission? 
on human um, rights? Well, there are a couple ways that people can be helped here at the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights. Um, we have a few units that allow us to take complaints of discrimination around Kentucky. We can take that information and basically walk people, claimants, through the process of fixing those grievances in discrimination. And what that means is we have a team here um, who... From the start, they listen. You can call in, you can email, you can file it online, but then there's a team that will reach back out to you and get more details on that uh, claim of discrimination. And from that, from that process on, if we can ascertain that there has been some discrimination, we take that and we move it through the process. We seek to either mediate or conciliate um, that claim or we take it through the court system and what we do is we allow for people to have that um, recourse but it's free so a lot of the times people who face issues like this they don't have the money or the resources to do a prolonged court battle and it's nice that we can offer that support through the legal system for free. For um, free. Free 99. <laughs> um, and I guess I, I should say kind of what my role is here um, at the commission. Uh, I am the executive director of the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights, and in that capacity, I am tasked with ensuring that the day-to-day operations within this agency are happening and that we are um, safeguarding the civil rights of Kentuckians across the state. Um, I, I think our website says something like we are the guardians and the protectors of the civil <laughs> liberties does. of the Commonwealth. And I take that seriously. Um, I think that we have to take that seriously, especially, especially right now. And so I very much appreciate the um, trust that people have had in me to make sure that this agency runs smoothly. And I take that to heart every day when I come down here. What about you? So I just came on board with the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights as their program advisor. And my mission is to continue on our general mission, like you said, to um, dismantle discrimination across the state, right? I feel like I'm waving a sword in the air and just (laughs) running charged on. Um, And so essentially, I want to help make sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible for the people across the Commonwealth that we are here to serve. And whether that be, you know, oversight of our procedures or, um, you know, talking to the people that have filed a complaint sometimes and just giving them space to listen to their needs and their desires. Um, We have complainants that definitely are seeking some sort of assistance. So one thing I was really thinking about lately is as a commission, we are able to file these complaints for people that have been discriminated against, but sometimes um, our overall express authority is kind of limited. How so? Well, 
we're charged through state statute with protecting areas of housing, employment, public accommodations, um, and sometimes those don't necessarily cover all the things that we see going on right now. I mean, mm-hmm. we're our office, we're downtown in the beautiful Hayburn building. Um, we're right downtown, and we can see some of the things happening, the protests going on right now. Mm-hmm. And people are protesting their civil rights, and there are things that we aren't specifically charged with in the law, but there are ways that we really want to reach out and help. And I think that's part of why we're starting this show. I mean, I I think so, don't you? Absolutely. Um, creating that uh, another space uh, for people to talk about what's going on. And so one thing we hope this becomes is a space where people can come and talk about some of the great work that's being done in this area that's not just from the commission, but we call it commission adjacent. Um, things that are happening where people are doing some of the work and fighting for civil rights. And hopefully, as a commission, we can start to bring those people together. And even if it's not filing a complaint or moving something through the courts, we're just creating a space for healing. And I think that's, Mm -hmm. at least for me, I think that's something we should be doing. Yes, healing. It's so necessary right now. We've got so much going on with the racial inequalities that are coming to surface more and more every day uh, with the healthcare disparities, especially in line with this pandemic. Um, we need healing and, and we need to join together. So if you hear us out there, listeners, we need <sighs> partnerships. Reach out to us. Uh, we want to make sure that not only are we doing everything that we can to best help our communities, but that we are also helping others that have the same goals and the same values to help their communities as well. I think one thing that we really can do right now with this show is we can kind of talk about some of the successes we have had. Um, And again, this is show number one. And... This day was picked for a reason. Do you want to say it, Brittany, or should I? I can go for it, yes. So today is the anniversary of the first case that the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights won. (laughs) (laughs) It's our first show. We don't have sound effects yet. So (laughs) Yes, Terrence will do all the sound effects. And so, um, Terrence, you've been here a little bit longer than I do. I, I'm going to lean on you for that. What exactly did, did the first case house for us? And also in line with that, so the first case um, that was one was on August 26th of 1966. But we're talking six years after the commission, right? Yep. So what? let's start there. What was the commission doing in that six years, and, and why was there a gap? Uh, so the gap was because the commission was started in 1960. Um, happy 60th anniversary this year. (laughs) I promise I'll get better sounds eventually, (laughs) but this is where we're starting. No, in 1960, the commission was created, but 
much like other initiatives at that time, it was more of a nod to civil rights and what was needed. And so the agency, as was started, it was more about encouraging people to treat others fairly and to not discriminate on the basis of a protected class. Um, But then, after the Federal Civil Rights Act was passed, Kentucky um, became the first state south of the Mason-Dixon line (laughs) to open an agency that is um, geared towards actually enforcing those rights. And so, starting in 1966, the Kentucky statutes were amended to allow for not just encouragement of discrimination, but to actually charge cases against people who were discriminating. And so in that six years, um, the agency was able to grow from this small office that put out information about encouraging others to be more fair to what it is today and having those express powers to charge these complaints and our decisions have the same weight as a judge in a judicial proceeding. And mm-hmm. so we uh, we got some teeth to uh, move forward in the area of equality. And so how did we start? What was that first case? The first case um, was pretty interesting, actually. Um, it was called it was against an eatery in in Kentucky. I don't know why I said eatery, but we're going with eatery. Um, <laughs> for, for those at home, that, that might also be known as a diner. <laughs> or a restaurant. You know, some people use those types of words. Um, but this, From the holler. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, eatery, we're sticking with that. I'm, I'm running with it. They were not, want, there was a group who wanted to go there and test this anti-discrimination law. And so what they did was they arranged a group of people to go to this restaurant and they asked to be served. And the server was very quick to say, you know, we can't serve you here. And they, the um, people who were trying to eat, they said, well, there's this law now that says you have to serve me. The server told them that anything that the manager wanted to do was at their discretion. And so they could choose who to serve and who to not serve. And again, these these people, they say, no, that's not how the law works anymore. Um, look at this here. So in that case, what they had to do was they stayed at the restaurant until it was closed down, and then they were able to eat. Once everyone else had left, they were served water, and then they brought their food out after other um, white patrons had left. Um, And so after that, the lead person of that group, she filed a complaint with our agency, and they took it from there. So what we were able to do, I say we, I was not alive yet, Mm -hmm. but what we as a body were able to do was work with that restaurant owner to reach what's called a conciliation agreement. And for our office, a conciliation agreement is when both parties agree to something and the accused discriminatory 
uh, respondent is asked to do something to, in theory, make up for that. And they normally that normally also includes some type of training where they might need to take some type of diversity training or racial equity and inclusion. So um, that was August 26th of 1966, and we, um, we still see the need for those types of agreements today. And that's kind of what we do here. Um, we just, yes, last week, um, closed out another conciliation um, here in Kentucky where the respondent has agreed to some type of training. So we're doing the work still, um, and it's necessary and important work. And for those interested, um, some of the trainings that are offered are also offered here with the commission, correct? Yes. Our education and outreach team, we are able to do some training. Um, People can request that we come into your offices or can talk to landlords or landlords associations or really anyone who comes in contact with others that might be able to learn from issues around diversity and non-discriminatory practices. Kind of frustrating to think about, like, that was 1966, and mm-hmm. we're still having some of the same issues. I mean, I talked earlier a little bit about going to the store, and I don't I've never publicly said who it was, um, but going there, it was frustrating. And I'm being kind to say frustrating, but the person who, I had a simple ask. I just needed to pay for something. Mm-hmm. I had six bags of mulch. Um, and they don't have to do anything with it. It sits outside, you pay, and then you grab it. Very minimal contact in this. And... I waited for a second in the front of the line, and this woman comes up behind me, and they said, oh, hi, ma'am. Oh, you need to get some keys copied? Let's walk over to the machine. And again, I'm thinking, wait, you could literally just swipe my card as you walk over to the machine to help her. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. So I let that happen, and a guy walks in, um dressed like he was going to a business meeting. This was a Saturday morning, but, you know. Oh, like you don't work on Saturdays. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work every day, but um, but this guy comes in with his business attire on Saturday morning. I'm, again, wearing uh, workout clothes that I will call garden clothes. And as he's doing the key for the woman, he was like, Oh, sir, can I help you with anything? And he needed to find something for, um, like, some kind of lock or something. And so while he's doing the key, he was walk- He walks with the other guy and starts walking him towards what he needed. And so at first I was like, well, maybe the woman was here before. And he was just going back to um, finish that off because she came back. Looking um, for justification. Yeah, uh, like rationalizing why people do what they do. Mm -hmm. And they do that enough, by the way. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I wanted to rationalize 
why it happened. And so I was sure because I went there two days before, two days prior to that, to get something else. And there was a woman who came in behind me and she was like, oh, I'm, you know, returning because she was trying to buy something and left her wallet at her house. And so she walked next door to go get her wallet and she was coming back. That was fine. And that made sense. And so in this situation, when I went back, I was like, oh, maybe it was similar. She was already being helped. So then businessman come, had come in and he helped him as well. And I was like, okay, well, now this is strange. And then a third person walks in and he addressed them as well. And so at that point, I'm like, okay, everybody couldn't have forgotten their wallet. This, that's, <laughs> not, that's not how life works. And so I said I tried to get his attention one more time walked out the back door and went to the car and went to a different store and bought seven bags of mulch. Haha, I got more than six. But um, just things like that still happen. And I, I was trying to think of other reasons why they didn't want to make money off of me. Um, but that was the only thing I could, I had left. And I thought it was interesting thinking about my position now and what I'm doing and trying to help do on behalf of others. And, but it still happens to me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So run this through with me. So in terms of the, the situation that happened in that store, if you wanted to file a complaint of discrimination with them, would you be able to, or what are the limitations that the commission has? So I would um, only uh, as, a, as a place of public accommodation, I would be able to file a complaint. Um, I would need to go back and get the name of the, well, the name of the place I already know the name of it but I could go online and say you know such and such hardware store wouldn't serve me and check on the box for what was the uh, reason or what was the discrimination I faced and from my estimation the only difference was the only outward difference that they could see was race because there was a woman in there and there was a man in there and they both were um, served before me. The only obvious difference was the other three people who came in and were served were white. And so um, I could check that that was the reason. Um, And in doing that, we could then initiate a complaint where the intake team here would verify with me some of that information. Oh, was it such and such restaurant or not restaurant, but store? And did they do X, Y, and Z? Um, Once that happens, if it's verified, that gets sent out. So then they would get a notice and know, okay, so-and-so is making this claim against you. And this is what they said and now you have the opportunity to respond and defend yourself or find a way to make this right um i have not filed a complaint i still have time um 
as long as it's within 100 days of it happening, and this was less than a month ago, <laughs> well, maybe in a month now, uh, I'm still within my time to go do it. I just, I, again, like how I like to rationalize reasons why they could have, I also created this justification of not doing anything because it won't be a complaint against the person who was working that day. It will be a complaint against this store and it's a locally owned business and I don't want that on them because it wasn't the owner. I've mm-hmm. I've worked with the owner before. He gives my dog Teddy treats when we go in there. Teddy. <laughs> he gives Teddy treats when sometimes Teddy gets on the counter and asks for them. So I guess he, you know, kind of is a, a burglar or robber or something. <laughs> but he, the owner is nice, and the owner is not the person who did this that day. And so for me, I don't feel comfortable um, bringing attention to them because of something one of the employees did. But at the same time, did they want to know about the behavior of one of their employees? And so I, I think for me, when I go by there, if I see the owners there one day, I can let him know. But at least from my point of view, I didn't, it wasn't egregious enough to me that I felt like I had to do that. And if I talk to the owner and he says, oh, that thank you for letting me know, but he can handle it in his own way. But not everyone has that privilege or ability, and I recognize that. Um, Absolutely. I feel like we have a lot of similar issues right now going pretty public um, here in Louisville that it's actually the owners of the restaurants that are or businesses, I should say, that are... <laughs> eateries, remember? We're eateries Eateries, <laughs> yes, that are making certain statements and standings that um, a lot of their employees don't necessarily agree with. So your situation seems to be the opposite of that. You know, you have one, one employee that is causing a disruption that could impact an entire business. Yeah, I, I, and I think that's where it's hard mm-hmm. um, because they're different. There are different levels to everything. And like in that situation, I didn't want that to reflect on the owner or that business because small businesses are struggling right now. Um, We're supposed to be limiting contact with others. So (laughs) people are doing online Amazon for the simplest of things. And so I I wanted to make sure that they were okay and not that anything I said or did would be that much publicity or negative publicity, but even a little right now, I think is that is a problem. And so that's different than places where the people working for an individual don't feel like they can express some of their true feelings because of the views expressed by uh, their owners or not their owners, but their employers. Mm-hmm. And that's a different struggle in itself. Yeah, so we've talked about public accommodations, but employment is also an area that we also get a lot of cases with, correct? Yes, and 
I want to circle back because you said something about me being here longer than you. It's it, I've Barely. I started yeah Barely. I <laughs> I started in June um, of this longer year. Longer than me, smarter <laughs> than me. You know, we're just gonna roll with it. <laughs> well, you had one of those three, right? I guess. Um, but yeah, we are able to um, work with employment issues as well related to discrimination. And right now, um, one tricky thing, and we haven't talked about this, actually, so I'm curious your thoughts on it. Um, <laughs> I love it. Going to throw it at me <laughs> while we're recording. Thank you. Yes. I was, I was, just, I was just lectured about my um, claiming of what people's faces say, but her face definitely just said, oh, crap, what is he about to ask me? Um, <laughs> yes, that time you got it right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with these employment issues that are happening um I just lost my train of thought on where I was going with that but okay I'm here with you (laughs) with these employment things that are happening what first off what do you think our role could be if any on helping resolve those situations but also, um, in those in those situations, how do you what do you think about employers and their responses to employees participating in protests or demonstrations or wearing a mask that might have a statement on it? Mm-hmm. Um, because you should be wearing a mask when you're going somewhere. Let's mm-hmm. reiterate that. Um, but what do you think about those situations where people are being singled out because of their support for certain movements? Is that discrimination? Yeah, so um, this has been a conversation that I had had. Um, I came here from a nonprofit, um, and at that nonprofit, I had been a participant in a very newly founded diversity and inclusion committee Um, and we talked about that quite a bit so essentially you know one thing that we all came to acknowledge was that protesting is is a right right it's the right of the individuals um, and employees are still individuals outside of their timed (laughs) at work um out when they clock out, they're, they're no longer necessarily um, an employee anymore. However, there's always representation, right? We, we represent who we work for um, in yeah. a lot of different areas, and that representation needs to uphold values within the type of agency or, or business that you are working for, in my opinion. Um, and so when we talk about the protests, um, these protests are, protesters are out here demonstrating the fight for justice, right? I mean, they're not asking for anything other than justice and equity in this world. And there are counter-protesters who are going against that and, and the forms that develop from that can often be hateful 
um, and can be dangerous, and we're trying to reroute that. So I guess on my end, I feel like, yes, em employers have certain limitations of what they can decide on in terms of whether an employee is representing them in a protest. At the previous nonprofit, um, we say, you know, you can't have anything with the agency's name on it. That's acceptable, right? Yeah, um, reasonable. You, you also, you know, might have certain limitations if you miss work, especially since we have a lot of protesters out there that are getting arrested. Um, it's another, another topic for get, another day. <laughs> that is another topic. For Literally another, another show we're going to do. Yes, yes. <laughs> tune in. Um, but you also, you know, they, they can't, they don't have any grounds for firing people based on whether or not they are involved in the demonstrations. So I'm going to, I don't want to say devil's advocate, but. Go for it. I, I love this game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, in theory, I, I, I see and completely understand what you're saying. Um, two points, though, and not to go all legal on this show, um, but we are in... He is a JD, by the way. We, <laughs> we've we, got a lawyer in our presence, and we're being recorded. Let's keep this going. We have to always be recorded. <laughs> um, but we need to or in Kentucky as an at will state one you can let people go for whatever reason you really want mm. um, but as far as our office um, the Civil Rights Act of Kentucky in KRS 344 um, gives us a specific list of people who are protected from discrimination and that is um, familiar well Race, color, religion, national origin, sex, age, or disability. Mm. Um, in some cases, familial status and, because um, it's Kentucky, smoking status um, are also parts of those protected classes. And from what you described a second ago, what was that protected class? Because I didn't, I didn't read off demonstrators right. or You're demonstrator right. adjacent people as a protected class. You're exactly right. So that was that was definitely like an agency based foundation that was decided upon. Um, and unfortunately, there, fortunately, there are a lot of businesses and other agencies that are on board with that same um, procedure. However, there's those that are not. And so if say me as your employee <laughs> um, was out protesting and um, came back and maybe my my picture was plastered on the news and you fired me um, I am a white girl however um, I am queer so you know can I file discrimination calls based on sex just because you fired me for protesting You know, that's a and that's a hard question because we haven't. These are things that we haven't really addressed yet. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know where. First off, it's if it's a good picture of you when you were. We're gonna frame it first before I fire you, so you can have a good parting present. No, um, <laughs> what I 
I don't know. And that's something that we, we need to discover and, mm-hmm. and have conversations because to me, I think that if you are out protesting the rights or the validity, 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 <laughs> why can I not talk today? Validity. There Look, you go. I'm impressed this is the first time that's happened <laughs> this entire time. So. The validity of the existence of people who look like me, to me, by extension, and I'm all, I'm a big fan of the transitive property, um, by extension, I think that if you are out demonstrating in support of a protected class Mm -hmm. and expressing the validity of a protected class and our existence, I think that by extension in that regard, that you are part of that protected class Mm -hmm. for purposes of discrimination. Because just thinking about some of the um, issues we've seen with people who have been protesting or demonstrating or marching um it's beautiful that it's not all black people like me there are people from every um walk of life every every look every orientation everything everyone is represented every age as of yesterday very very proud of our senior citizens yes um (laughs) The senior citizens at the attorney general's house last week, um, they are definitely, um, it's everybody. And I think that that's a a beautiful thing, but it's also harder on our end to discern when it's how to categorize that discrimination. But at least to me, and... I think this is sound, possibly because it's my thought, (laughs) but I think it's sound to say, like, you're out there with the validity of our existence. And so by by extension and by association, I think you're protected. And curious of your thoughts on that, but I personally think that if you are doing this work on behalf of a protected class and someone discriminates on you because of your support of a protected class, to me, that's still discrimination against a protected class because let's say you were out there supporting, not to belittle this because I have family who um, has done this, um, but let's say you were out supporting the military or supporting the police and there's not going to be I think the response would be different if someone were fired for supporting the military. Mm-hmm. But if you're fired or have some negative consequence because of supporting black lives, like, I I don't know. Right. Choice life versus born into life, right? You can't, you can't change the color of your skin, but we can help continue to change the ideas that people have of others based on their race. Yeah, I, no, and that's true. It's it's a sticky topic right now, um, and not topic, but a sticky situation just because we do need to figure out how we handle these because we can't get into some of the things that have come into our office, 
but we are starting to see these types of claims of people being discriminated against while they're protesting or for the type of mask that they wore to work mm-hmm. or the uh, as Brittany on was, Facebook yeah a, a, <laughs> a Facebook post mm-hmm. um, or what someone has said um, while they were trying to go to a certain eatery. I'm sticking with that word today. That's fine. Um, we're going to stick with that all program long. Really? You I mean don't know. It? We'll try Do it. Do you really yeah. mean it? You know, uh, do something. <laughs> um, but these, it, we have to have these conversations, but we also need to find an answer. So people who do feel like they need to say something feel empowered to say something because I I do worry there are people who agree or believe in certain causes but they also don't believe that they have the space to voice that support because of the fear of any negative consequences that may come their way so I hope we can talk through that and figure it out absolutely Absolutely. I I really think that this is our next um, direction in civil rights uh, agency protections is extending those rights and figuring out where where umbrellas created. Um, We can briefly touch on um, other current things that have happened, but I think legally courts are starting to understand the concept of umbrellas um as an agency um we have included pregnancy discrimination mm-hmm. under sex Be, it, we're creating these umbrellas that naturally extend mm-hmm. and we've never talked about this before so uh, again worried face but in race can we include those that are working on behalf of equality for a race? Which is necessary at this point, right? We're finding that, you know, in this need of systemic change, the people that are essentially holding the, and I'm, I'm holding up quotes right now for those that can't see us. Um, That's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> the power need to be able to step up and use that power for good Um, and so with that in mind as well in this programming we want to make sure that we're bringing people to the table that fall in line with those marginalized communities regularly so we will be having guests on our show it's not just going to be Terrence and I probably for the good right (laughs) Um, but we want to offer that space (laughs) you were talking about right um we need to be able to have that space available for people to speak on the good trouble that they are fighting for. <laughs> I, I, I like the little uh, nod to John Lewis there. Yes, it's rest in power. Personal, personal hero of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I could only wish to be a one hundredth of great of a person as he was. Um, yeah, I think I think that pretty much sums up what we want to do here and hopefully people will you all will join us on some more conversations um today is a little different it's really laying the groundwork for what we do and who we are but 
as we move forward, we want to have you come come visit us or call in or do whatever, but we want to have you as part of this conversation. Um, we and you is, it's not a title, it's more of a an invitation um, to say. That was beautiful. <laughs> Just like my singing voice. No, um, <laughs> we, we really want you to come and talk to us about what you see and what's going on around Kentucky or wherever you're listening from. We want to know how how is the civil rights or human rights space and what work do you know that's going on? How can others be involved? We want to have leaders come in and talk. We want to really just create that space for growth and healing. And so we hope, um, at least I hope, I can't speak for you, Brittany. You can speak for me, but I always have hope, so I'm with you. Okay, so since I'm speaking for her, I'm going to give myself a lot of compliments <laughs> right now. But we hope On that... On that singing voice. <laughs> we hope that, you know, that you join us, you have other people join us. Please. Um, follow us on social media, at Human Rights KY on Twitter. Um, we just want to make sure that we are heard um, and that we can amplify your voices. So please um, just reach out in any way that you can or want to and also just listen. And again, we and you is an invitation. So that is our our invitation to you. And that's how we can close is we want you to join us. And we look forward to next week when we start talking more about the actual work. And we've talked about um, how to file a complaint, right? We've talked about what we are, who we are, and what we'd like to do. So if you need more information, please check out our webpage at kchr.ky.gov. If you enjoyed this show, check out some of the other great programming here on Forward Radio, such as Depth and Weight, Joe and Annie's amazing, heartfelt exploration of the battle against addiction. It airs here on 106.5 FM every Sunday at 2 p.m., Monday at 8 a.m., and Tuesday at 2 p.m.